Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt, and I'm a board-certified integrative and functional nutritionist. I live on the seacoast of New Hampshire and work with clients in my virtual practice all over the world through private consultations and online nutrition and functional medicine programs. Functional medicine nutrition is all about diving deep with people to get to the root cause of their health issues. And that's exactly what I tackle in this podcast. All things health, food, and nutrition. Unpacking current research and almost a decade of clinical experience. I love to bring experts and thought leaders to the table so we can all learn together. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive in. All right, guys, we're back. And today I have an interview that you're going to love. We're going to be talking all about burnout with Audrey Holst. We had this planned pre-COVID, but I think it's still very relevant right now. Um, I'm just thinking about my friends. A lot of them are small business owners and they've basically had to change their entire business model overnight. I'm thinking about the parents who are working full-time and also home with kids, homeschooling, you know, child rearing, all of that. Um, Never mind the emotional stuff that we're all processing through. It's a lot. It's a lot uh, to take on and to handle right now. So we're going to talk about that. Um, A little intro on Audrey. She helps really smart people not fall apart by helping them heal and transform their burnout. She combines over a decade of experience teaching yoga and mindfulness with extensive training and work as a certified professional coach. She works one-on-one with compassionate leaders. She's the author of an upcoming book that teaches people that there is nothing wrong with them. And she leads a monthly virtual gathering called the Standing Still Collective, which is currently being offered as a pay what you can, which is so incredible. So Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I want to know all about this anti-burnout culture. Why is this your jump off? Like, How did you even get into this? It's it's something that it's it's one of those things that when you start to look at yourself in the grand scheme of your life and, and it's like, oh, everywhere you go, there you are. And I've gone through, uh, you know, burnout. Let me just sort of define define burnout really quickly in the context of how I'm going to talk about it. So burnout has this component of emotional exhaustion, which I think is most of what people are familiar with, with burnout. There is also this depersonalization aspect where the people that you care about and you know you care about, you feel sort of separate from, you have a difficulty connecting with them. And then there is also an element of feeling like what you do doesn't really matter or isn't really important. And most of the academic studies have been done in in workplace environments but for the for the sake of like way the way that i talk about burnout and from the way that a lot of people talk about burnout this is applicable to anybody in any aspect of their life so it's not necessarily just a professional thing but it's the easiest um jumping off point so this this really I, i find applies with families like family dynamics so you know you can be like a stay-at-home parent and be experiencing burnout and you're like well i'm not a job and well you kind of are <laughs> at a job so so 
I have gone through different iterations of um, working for a company, so being employed by a company. And I was an independent contractor for a while. Um, for a while, I was independent contracting work doing yoga, uh, teaching yoga. And then I was employed by the yoga studio. I also became a manager at the yoga studio. Uh, I eventually ended up becoming an, uh, a co-owner of a yoga studio. And now I am, obviously, I'm, my, I'm self-employed. I have my own coaching and consulting practice. So I've been through all of the different job iterations that you could have, like hourly rate, you know, hourly wage, sal- salaried, with benefits, without benefits, sort of hustling. And I found, and this is true of the clients that I've worked with too, because I've worked with entrepreneurs. I've worked with people who are employees of a bigger organization. Um, There is sort of this embodied driving force inside of a a lot of us. and And I find it very common in women also, where it's kind of like, no matter what happens, you do it, you don't question it, you suck it up, you make sure you look good, you take it on. And all of those things inevitably lead to a total system shutdown, <laughs> like a, just a total system shutdown. And it starts really low level and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I've talked with people um, who have had burnout and up to the point like that their hair is falling out and then it takes them like, you know, a chunk of their life to just try to recover from it. So that's the extreme example. But the people that I usually work with and the people that are usually talking about burnout, it's more like this low level things are not quite right, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And I'm sure it'll just get better if I take a break or like take a vacation, but like I don't do those things. So it never really gets better. It's, it's sort of that, that level of burnout that I see most often. Yeah. You know, what's, um, it's when you were saying it gets bigger and bigger and, and bigger and you gave some extreme examples. I feel like that's usually when people see me because it's nothing, it's something that they can no longer ignore because it's coming out in physical ways, yes. right? Whether it's autoimmunity or adrenal burnout or hormonal imbalance or thyroid dysfunction, that's how we see it play out. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get that. And I obviously can relate in a lot of different ways, as I'm sure many other people listening um, can. And I, I feel like right now, you know, you were kind of talking about this. Um, as women, we just do, 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 do. It's kind of like we just put our head down, we put the blinders on, and we just go. Mm-hmm. And right now, I'm finding that some of those blinders are being lifted. Where we're at home, things are slowing down, even though there is there there's still a lot on our plates. It's at a different pace and it looks a little bit differently. And so I know personally, I am starting to evaluate, reevaluate, audit my relationship to productivity. Like who am I if I'm not in this full tilt production mode all the time? Um, How much of my self-worth is actually tied up in what I can produce. Um, and that has been really unsettling for me. You know, if we, you like look to um, thought leaders in the spiritual, spirituality world, they're really talking about how this is an invitation to kind of explore our shadow sides in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I, this is what's coming up for me majorly. And it's creating a lot of anxiety because we're forced to sit still, right? You know, it kind of like that busyness that we, that, that like 
frenetic level that we all operate that is kind of like sizzled down. And now we're just left in the stillness with like, how do we actually feel inside? That's scary. It's like, that's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. And the frame at which I, the lens that I look through things at, and maybe it's helpful to share this too, because it it might be helpful for some of your listeners just to have a slightly different perspective is I look at things from basically the survival tactics of our bodies and our nervous systems. So if we look at burnout from that perspective, and I don't know if, if you or your listeners are, are familiar with the concept of the window of tolerance, but there is this particular, um, you can even like visually picture a window, how like a window has a top and a bottom. Those are sort of the lines I'm going to be talking about. So you can think about our, our bodies and our, our ability to function in our lives as basically being in this, this window of tolerance. And this window of tolerance is basically when our nervous systems are in a fairly restful state. You know, we're sort of working basically mostly with parasympathetic rest and digest. We can think clearly. We don't feel under attack or any, under any sort of threat. And our, our, um, initial, reactions when something goes wrong is to actually sort of reach out. And that's something that we we've seen where people have sort of like reached out to other people and they've offered their services. You know, a lot of people have been offering services for free, which may not be something that they'd often do, but there's this sort of reaction to be like, oh, I got to connect with other people. That's sort of our, our initial serve our more modern survival mechanism is to, is to reach out which isn't really available to us right now either. So the next sort of thing that people that often happens with people is there's some sort of, you know, our bodies basically go through this like fight, flight, freeze. There's also this fourth one called fawn, which I can talk about in a second. But what's the next, what's the most like next primitive survival thing that I can go to, right? Fight or flight, everything gets elevated. We go from that sort of, okay, I'm getting excited about something. I'm still in my window of tolerance. I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling excited. Now I'm feeling anxious. Now I'm feeling angry, right? That's when whoop, we just gone through that window of tolerance and now we're more into a survival mode situation. So that's where there's a lot of like panic and people going out and buying tons of stuff they don't need and um, like posting every scary thing they can think of on social media and just blowing up everybody's nervous systems, right? Like you can see the sort of collective thing that's happening where it's not just one person that's having a bad day. It's like everybody's having a bad day at the same time and sharing it with each other, which is like not regulating for anybody. Mm. Um And there's other people who will go in a different direction. They'll actually go through the floor of their window of tolerance. So instead, and those are the people, so instead of like that sort of fight or flight response, they whoop, they kind of go into more of a freeze state where it's like, I shut everything down. I crawl under a blanket and I don't want to talk to anybody and I don't want to socialize and I like can't handle life. And so like, that's another way to sort of go into that survival mode. Um, And so so the idea in a time like this is, is right. Like, so everybody's kind of, we've kind of gone through different versions of this and maybe you can sort of relate even in your own experience of like, maybe things were totally feeling crazy for a while, but then like you said, they're like sort of settling in a weird way and sort of calming down and quieting down. And now we're kind of like, well, shoot, <laughs> where, where are we? Cause things are not normal, right? Like this is not normal for us to be living the way we're living. But we're still just trying to like, okay, we're in a survival situation still. Everybody's nervous systems are still not quite okay. Like now what? Like how do we sort of sort of deal with this new this new place we've found ourselves in? So that's kind of 
I'm not sure if I really explain that in a way that's that's going to be helpful for people to wrap their brains around, but that's just something to sort of understand the the ping pong that maybe people have been experiencing where they're like super feeling productive and like they can get everything done. And then they're like, Ooh, I can't even move the next day. And, um, and just like understandably our nervous systems, like don't really know how to react or respond or what to do because life just keeps changing. And unpredictability is actually one of those things that's really tough on the nervous system and immobility, which for a lot of people who are not able to leave their house and do a lot of the things that usually help them to cope is also very difficult on the nervous system. So dealing with both of those things have kind of amplified the effects for a lot of people. For sure. Um, I talked, you know, this is, my audience is no stranger to nervous system stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked about the the, the stress response p- probably in every, every episode. <laughs> um, I did a couple of weeks ago, I released an episode that I entitled Fear Response and Downregulating the Nervous System. And mm. in response to that, uh, a listener sent me Brene's, uh, Brene Brown's podcast where she talked about over-functioning and, f- functioning and under-functioning. And it's mm. very much so in kind of in lockstep with what you're talking about what I talked about on the the uh the other podcast which is like we kind of have our default responses yep you know like where we're gonna I'm definitely an overfunctioner I'm like I'm gonna lead I'm gonna take charge I'm gonna solve the problem I'm gonna help I'm gonna be the helper and that's where I derive a lot of my sense of purpose and self-worth from and then some people completely under function and they just like completely shut down like you were talking about and I think it's what I've been encouraging people to do is observe your your behaviors observe your patterns observe your default without judgment there's nothing wrong with you if you favor one or the other but just yep. have some awareness and same thing for coping strategies too you know i've you know because i'm in the food space i'm hearing a lot about emotional eating and um you know snacking and, and all this kind of stuff the covid 15 jokes i talked about that last week Ooh. are coming up like whoa and you know, if the way that you cope with stress and trauma is to emotionally eat, like that's okay. Like that's where you're at right now. That's where you're working. And I think we can all stand to be a little, give ourselves a little bit more grace around however it is we're responding to this. There's no, I said last week, there's no rule book. There's no playbook, right? There's no, there's no script for this. We're all in it blind together. So observe your behaviors. If you feel that they're not serving you, then you can do some things to change them. But the first step is awareness and, and figuring out how you respond, how you react and being okay with that. Yeah. And I, I totally, I totally agree with that. And I think that's something that's so, um, so necessary right now, especially one of the things, um, I just want to touch on really quickly about the overeating or not, I don't want to say overeating the, the sort of like feeling that urge towards, towards snacking on like on a regular basis. Um, one of the sort of theories around the vagus nerve and how it, uh, how, and I listened to the podcast um, that you just did with the, with the breathing, which was so amazing and talking about the vagus nerve and its functions and how it actually goes into your belly. And for a lot of people, there's actually a stimulation of the vagus nerve when they've got a full belly. Like there's actually physiological comfort that comes with that sensation inside the body. So I just want to like say that in service of like what you're doing makes total sense because you want some freaking comfort in times of craziness. Like, Give yourself yes. a break, you know, like cut yourself some slack. There's no right way. There's no, um, what it looks like doesn't necessarily, um, look like what you think it should look like. And even things like, 
okay, I feel really anxious. I should be doing something to calm down. But all I want to do is like freak out. You know, there's sometimes a feeling of like, okay, well, if my system is really, you know, really activated, I need to do something to calm it down. Well, sometimes also doing something to just get like close that stress loop, like doing something really active. There's a lot of people right now who are not runners who are going for runs because it feels good and it's starting to close that flight stress loop. You know, like for myself, I know I often pick sort of more calming practices, but I've been doing a lot of like strength training, jumping jacks, uh, push-ups, um, core work because it helps me feel the strength of my body and it just helps me to feel more grounded. So I would just encourage people that like if there is an instinctual, like if you're really paying attention to your body and you're not judging the thing that's happening and there's an instinctual, almost, um, you know, primitive thing that feels like it needs to, like you just feel like you need to just run around the freaking house. Like sometimes following that need is actually closing the stress loop that you may not even know is open, you know, like, so that's just something to, for people to chew on because there is a lot of you know, advice on like, well, if you're feeling this way, well, then you should try this. Or if you're feeling this way, you should try this. And sometimes that is the right advice. And sometimes it's like, well, what is the thing that is like wanting to, what is the thing your body is wanting to express? Is it like an energetic expression that needs to happen? Or is it like a comfort? Because sometimes, and that's something that's not talked about much right now either, is like, how are you finding comfort right now? Because there's not a lot in the collective that's available. And it's very important if you want to not be in a survival situation the entire time. What's comforting? What's calming? What's proving to your system that things are actually safe and okay? That is so, okay, you kind of said two different things there. The first one um, really resonated with me. I was chewing on it. I was definitely chewing on it. I have been doing a ton more, just more intense exercise than I've, I normally do. Mm-hmm. I've been craving running. I haven't ran in years just because I get injured all the time. Uh, but I'm like, I need to start running. And uh, are you familiar with trauma release exercises? Obsessed. I do it every night. My legs will not stop. And so like, you know, like same, I, same they girl. are like, it looks like they're running in place. And I'm like, all right, clearly this needs to come out of my body. But it's so funny because it's like, I have this instinctual urge to just go hard. And that's not really normally my, my MO. So that is that just, a lot of light bulbs went off for me. And I'm sure for listeners as well, that is very cool. It makes a lot of sense. And then the, the comfort piece is, is a big one. Um, what are you doing for comfort, right? There's so much nervous system activation. I, you know, what you were talking about is, um, earlier about people wanting to share. It's like, if people have anxiety, it's almost like they want to infect other people with it. I don't even think it's a conscious thing, but it like feels good to be like, I'm anxious. Somebody else needs to be anxious with me (laughs) on that podcast. Brene Brown was saying how contagious anxiety is. And I'm like, yes, it really is. Um, one thing that I've been doing, and I'd love for you to talk and kind of like help me process this and other people as well about how we can establish energetic boundaries. One thing that I have been doing in saying is that I'm not available to help people emotionally process 
the trauma of this time. Like I cannot do it. I cannot be available for that. And it sounds a little bit harsh, but it's also the way that I have to protect my own space. Like I know what's going on in the world. Like I understand I cannot relive it every second of my day. Every human interaction that I have, whether it's a friend, a family member, or a client, it cannot be about how hard this is and how traumatic this is. It is very hard. It is very traumatic, but I cannot continue to like like soak in this in this bathtub of trauma, 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 trauma. Like the news has been turned off. We get 10 minutes a day, that's it. You know, it's like th- these are ways that I'm safeguarding my own energy so I don't feel the the collective en- uh, anxiety because I was feeling it so much. It was like really wiping me out and now I'm like, all right, so here's how I have to safeguard myself against it. What are other ways we can I guess my question is, one, how do you know if what you're feeling is really yours or if it's more of a collective felt experience? And then two, how do you safeguard yourself against that? Audrey's going to answer that question in just one minute after a word from our sponsors, Houston Enzymes. Hey, are you, like me, eating a high-fat diet? Maybe you're tinkering around with a ketogenic diet. Maybe you're doing a carb compatibility project type of deal. Or maybe you've just left the low-fat paradigm back in the 80s where it belongs and you're adding more fats to your meals. Awesome. Either way, sometimes people can have a hard time breaking down fats. This can look like digestive discomfort or loose stools or floating greasy poops. Those are all signs that you're not breaking down your fats well. Some folks don't have a gallbladder or they have gallbladder issues. It's pretty common um, in postmenopausal women. So if that's you and you know that you don't have a great time with high-fat diets, what I would recommend is trying out Lipozyme. It is a special formulation that contains three different lipase enzymes. So those are enzymes that specifically break down fat. It can help you digest your fat in your foods. It can help with gas and bloating. If you burp up fish oil pills after taking them, this is a great supplement to take alongside of it. So you can actually break down those triglycerides. So we're lucky that Houston is offering us a 20 percent discount. Use coupon code Houston20 at checkout at HoustonEnzymes.com. You can grab your digestive enzymes and you can break down those fats and feel good again. Yeah. So, so many amazing things just in that of what you've talked about. Um, I think one of the things just to to point out is is the fact that we collectively one of the ways that we regular nervous systems on a regular basis is with other people's nervous systems. So it's like if you go into a room that's very bad and news you're just for me. having a bad day. <laughs> well, this very is bad. so this is the thing just to point out, right? Like is like if you go into a room, you're having a really bad day. Everybody in that room looks at you. They're smiling at you. You know, they're they're even if they don't say anything, but you walk into the room and you can just feel that like everybody there, their nervous systems are calm things are pretty cool. It helps you to sort of downregulate, right? It just helps you to take a few breaths and all of a sudden you feel a little bit better. Well, we're sort of in the opposite situation where we walk into a room and everybody is screaming that the room is on fire and and that's what we are immersed in. So I think it's a really smart, you know, 
I, I think that boundaries can get really tricky for people. People don't like the word or they feel like, well, it's mean or some, some, or it's harsh, right? You use the word harsh or some version of that. And really it's, it's a communication, right? It's just a communication of, of this is what, you know, this is what I need. And I think that that's the heart, the first starting point for somebody, which, which it sounds like you've identified is what do you need? And cause there's kind of two things we're working with here, right? We're talking about incoming threats, right? The, the barrage of the incoming. And so then it's like, okay, that that's where the boundary comes up is to start to start Stop the flow of incoming stressors, right? The things that are coming into your system, the things that are coming at you. Okay. So one of the ways like you've, you've just explicitly described is limiting your exposure to these things that put your body and your psyche and your brain into a higher state of things are not safe, right? So it's limiting your exposure to those things. And when people do want to come in, because again, people's initial reactions to feel better is to engage socially. So they're coming at you, right, with their stuff. I'm not saying it's the right thing for them to be doing, but I'm saying it's understandable that people are kind of going to where they consider to be a safe space. So it is our responsibility to to identify what it is that we need and to express that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, hey, listen, I totally hear that this is a really tough time and I and I'm there and I get it and like listen I'm at my max right now and I cannot I just can't hear any more about this I cannot take on any more information because I'm already maxed out and I've got a lot of stuff that I need to you know that's on my plate whatever whatever the thing is but it's a totally appropriate thing and and yeah especially if you're somebody that's not had to set boundaries up to this point this is going to be an extremely hard thing to do but you can also think about it as a survival practice because honestly, if you don't set those boundaries, that's more inundation of your system. And if you don't have practices then to help get some of that stress out of your system and to process that stress, then like I've had days where, um, because I do a lot of one-on-one work, like I had a day a week or two ago where I had like maybe five or six phone calls in the day and I was, my body was wrecked at the end of the day. It was, mm-hmm. di- it's difficult. It's difficult, especially for, for people who are, who are doing this work and have, um, sensitive systems, which I definitely have. And I imagine, I imagine that you might have too. So, um, you know, naming, naming the boundaries and a good question, um, Randy Buckley, who does boundaries for, for kind people, she, she has this really wonderful expression where people talk about, well, what if, what if somebody's trampling over my boundaries? And the question to ask is, what do you, what would you say that they think your boundary is, right? People have to know. It has to be Mm. clearly expressed. It can't just be a snide comment. It just can't be a passive aggressive. Well, you should have figured it out by now. It has to be clearly expressed. So you really need to be honest with yourself. What do you need? And then you have to express that to somebody, which is, again, if you've never done that before, this is going to be a really difficult thing to do, but it's going to be necessary for your functioning. Yes. I feel that there is an inverse relationship between boundaries and burnout for me. So the, the lower my boundaries are, the higher the burnout, right? And the, the, but I also get how hard it is. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of a boundaries bitch. Like I broadcast my boundaries all the time. And yet every single time I do it, I'm like, (laughs) like this is, 
people are going to hate me for this. This is the one. This is the one that's going to make everybody yeah. hate me. Um, but I do it anyway because I'm like, if I don't, if I don't hold this container for myself, nobody else will. So I have to do it. And every time I do set a public boundary on social media, I always have like my like my groupies, like like my rider dies. They're like, Erin, you don't feel like you have to you have to explain yourself to anybody. And I appreciate that so much. But I'm also like, look, I'm doing this a. So people can understand what's appropriate and what's not in my viewpoint. Like I want people to know, I want my boundaries to be crystal clear. And also mm-hmm. the more comfortable I am setting boundaries, the more people watching me are going to feel comfortable doing it in their own life. I get, per- yes. I feel like I get permission. When I witness somebody else set a boundary, I'm like, hot damn, they can do it, then so can I. And so I want to be able to pass, like kind of pay it forward and pass it on to other people. Um, but it's not easy. It really, really isn't easy because at the, at the end of the day, we all want to be liked. We all want to be loved and we're scared of ruffling feathers. A hundred percent. And that's the, you know, the nervous system wants to know, am I going to die? And will they like me? Right? Those are the two <laughs> questions that that's like the two questions the nervous system wants to the, our social nervous system, our, our, you know, our, our ancient nervous systems. Am I going to die? Do they like me? Like, that's what our body wants to know. So it makes sense, right? It makes sense that this is a difficult thing. And I, I, um, I, I love what you said about that whole like permission giving thing. Cause I know for myself, when somebody sets a boundary, with me or expresses something, it, it makes me feel like, oh gosh, you can do that. You know, like every time somebody mm-hmm. does it, it, it validates that for me. So I think that's a really helpful thing. And something that occurred to me, cause we did talk, you did mention just the concept of an energetic boundary. And I think this, this could be helpful for people too. Um, when you are in a situation where maybe you're not able to set up, maybe it's, it's like you have to have a conversation. Maybe you're not able to to end it or maybe you're you're doing work with clients or something like that. I just wanted to mention a practice of being very um aware and sort of plugged in to your own physical body during an interaction. So for a lot of us who are very who are empathetic and who are sensitive and are good at the work we do because we are able to sort of go out there and sort of be with other people a a hard practice but a necessary practice is like to stay in the within the boundaries of your own body so like when I'm talking with clients and I'm and obviously I I, I'm not perfect at practicing this because I'm a human being but I try to basically okay where is my body weight can I feel the edges of my body can I notice how I'm breathing can I constantly check in with my own self in relation, while I'm also in relationship with this other person to make sure that I'm not just like getting sucked out of my own body and sort of like into their stuff, you know, like, so that might be another in terms of like an energetic practice. If you're in a situation that you like, maybe you're out in public or something, you know, how can you sort of stay connected to yourself and constantly give yourself that, um, that feeling of sort of safety and things are okay if you're if you want to if your nervous system is like whoop just going out there seeping out into the world you know yes I will give it a real world example of exactly what you're talking about um I always learn well I learn best by like real world examples and like storytelling and um I was 
closing out my day. This was a few months ago. I was closing out my day, my work day. I was getting ready to, to go kick it with Hattie. I was about to shut down my computer and I'm like, one more email. I'm just going to grab one more email. And oh, I, we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> Never do it again. When it's time to close the computer, close that goddamn computer. Um, and so I, with it was a long email in by the first paragraph, I I was like, great. I was like, you know, whistling to the birds and like had a skip in my step. I was feeling good. By the first end of the first paragraph, I started to feel like heart beating faster. I started to feel a little mm. sweaty. It was like the start of a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And the email that I was reading was from a client who was experiencing significant anxiety uh, about health issues. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment, it was the first time it really clicked in for me that oh my God, I am taking on the emotions that she was feeling when she sat down to to type out this email. I'm feeling them in my body right now. This Mm -hmm. is not mine. Mm -hmm. This is 100% hers. And it was such a crazy moment of realization for me. So now that I'm aware of it, I can try my best to put practices into place to, to, to keep that from happening. And I really like that, the little visualization that you're talking about, like kind of where do my boundaries or excuse me, my, the borders of my container end and yeah. somebody else's begin. Yeah. Um, okay. I, one, one thing that we had chatted about before was you, you, you phrase it as the unique challenges women face when it comes to burnout. And I think this really also ties into this concept of resources versus demands, like what's on our plate versus like, what do we actually have the ability and the bandwidth to deal with? And I think especially right now, I mean, this is always, you know, but, but right now I feel like parents, um, And, you know, I know in many households, the mom is sort of the default parent. I have a wonderfully supportive partner and I still feel that the same effects, um, especially because I work, you know, my husband works for a company. I work for myself. So it doesn't always feel like it's comparing apples to apples, which is frustrating because a story for a different day. Um, but almost overnight, we we went from having one job to having like 70, right? So mm-hmm. right now I'm a full-time business owner. I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. I'm a babysitter and I'm a kindergarten teacher, right? So that there's a lot. So the demands have almost increased on us and yet our resources certainly have not. So what's up with this? Yeah, this is such a... Yeah, and I feel like a whole, a whole, it could be a whole other episode on, <laughs> on, on this sort of gendered things that that happen within within relationships and and that sort of stuff. And and I, a client, I think put this one of the best ways. Um, she said something to the effect of, "She's like, I feel like I'm expected to." basically carry the weight of the world on my shoulders while wearing high heels, being dressed really well and have a smile on my face the entire time. And a six pack. And a six pack. Right. Exactly. And that, I think that description just basically sums up why people feel nuts right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like we laugh because we get it, which is the sad thing, right? So... You know, one of the things that I just want to uh, draw out explicitly is expectations. You know, like, what is the expectation here? And I, I had another client who was sort of joking. She's like, you know, my 
my ideal world expectation that I've set in my head is that we're all going to sit down at the dinner table and we're going to like light some candles and we're all going to eat together and we're going to eat really healthy meals and everybody's going to talk and share their days, right? Like in her sort of mind's eye, that's like the insane standard she's set for herself. But she also knows like, mentally that like no effing way like that's not no no like we can barely like get out of bed right now let alone you know cook a 10 star meal and and you know like have everybody at the table with the candle set you know so know that there is an internalized expectation that we have taken on as our own that's not our fault and i think that this is something that that was told to me and I I found it really valuable that like your expectations are not your fault. The crazy expectations you have, the, you know, insane standards you've set, they're not your fault because they've been ingrained in the culture. It's the water we swim in. It's become the sort of default for, um, you know, there's this amazing book. Um, it's called why, why we can't sleep. And it's, it's all about, um, you know, women, especially who are in their late thirties to like late forties, this generation were basically like all of these new expectations have, it's like, right. You can hold a job and you can, you can be that CEO and you can also be like the perfect mother and like also be spending that same amount of time you were spending in the home with the same expectations, but also you're not going to get any other resources to like do the things you need to do. And like society is not going to shift as a whole to allow you to do those things in a better way. So like know that you don't have the resources that you need. Therefore, the expectations have to be lowered down to what might feel like an insanely low level for you, but are actually probably the more reasonable requests, like the more reasonable things. So it's kind of like, what's the small and doable here? Like what is the bare bare minimum that has to happen and like know that bare minimum is probably still going to be like way higher than than what you think is actually going to happen you know like so starting to just like lower some of those standards what are the expectations like what do you really think is is reasonable like and can we take that down a few notches because whatever expectation you've set for yourself in terms of you know how clean the house is supposed to be or like what the meals are supposed to look like or what schooling like okay right like you're supposed to all of a sudden be a school teacher on top of everything else like no no like let's be honest that's not going to happen and that's okay because guess what your kids lives have just been completely flipped in the air too right everybody's lives are are a little bit crazy so um yeah biggest advice is take the expectation down like 500 notches from where you think it's supposed to be yeah I love that and I think it's I think we we don't do, we're not very good at that it's it's like what more can I add you know like what more can I add to my plate I um you know I realized I had a, like a total step back moment when I realized okay like a bunch of extra stuff just got added to my plate hey that means that I have to take some things off right yep. that's the next step there yep. um which just shows that you know it's like when you can step back and observe your own growth and you're like oh my god all of this hard work has really paid off that was one of those moments that I'm like okay I'm doing okay here I talk about this stuff all the time it's nice to know that I'm actually putting it into practice so I had as I was telling you at the start of this I had um 
been working on this really massive um, online program. The last one I built out was on hormones. And uh, ironically, I ended up with like severe adrenal dysfunction because I was working so hard to pump it out. Um, You know, it's these programs are just a lot. They're they're tremendous amount of work, right? Any way you swing it. So I realized, I'm like, I can't actually do that right now. Like, why would I do that to myself? Why would I put those expectations on myself? Nobody else is. It's only me. It's internally derived. So I have to take that. I have to lower my expectations so dramatically um, in order to survive this thing and come out on the other end. And I think it's also important to like have a sit down conversation um, with you know with your family unit and be like, what's the most important things here? What yes. what matters most to us? You know, yes. for us it was like we want our kid. She's you know I want to preface this by saying she's almost six. She's in kindergarten. Um, I've talked to a lot of her peers, parents who are freaking out about them falling behind. And I'm like, yo, when we were five, we were just trying not to poop our pants and eat glue. Yeah. I think they're going to be okay with like two months of like not, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe we we got to take this a little less seriously. I mean, all the educators out there are probably freaking out at me saying that, but like she's not going to go dumb overnight. So the fact that we have this like huge opportunity to spend more time as a family, to go into the woods, to explore, to teach her things and spend this time together that we other otherwise might not. Like that's going to be huge. And that's the most important thing to us as a family, you know, and like, so what are those like little nuggets for you individually? Like what, you know, what's important to you? For me, food, super important. It's the top of the ant pile. So we're Mm -hmm. eating really well. That might not be the case for somebody else. Totally. Totally. And I think that the other thing that's that's worth um, noting, which I think is another um, uh, sort of gut reaction or sort of like knee jerk reaction that happens with a lot of women, especially is this concept of like, I'll do it. Like, I'll pick up the ball. Right. Tiffany Dufu has this brilliant book called um, Drop the Ball. And it's basically around this whole like, great, I got it. Like, School's not happening. Great. I'm going to learn that. This isn't happening. I'm going to do that. Right. This it's this just like I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. And like constantly picking up things that don't have to be picked up and that actually can either be dropped or delegated to somebody else or, you know, like so it, it, there's just this intrinsic reactivity because again that's sort of what's what we've been sort of trained and and our sort of react reactions to, to okay well I got somebody can't if if nobody picks it up I gotta pick it up right it's gotta be me I gotta do it and it's like no so your role maybe not right like just like that you said having those conversations having those honest conversations with your family because what you think may be the thing once you've actually got everybody's input maybe not right? Maybe it's something completely different. So I would say just, you know, for people that are, that are navigating this, just to be very cautious of that taking on more responsibility sort of seep that happens around stuff. Oh no, I got it. No, I'll do it. That, uh, that one cuts deep for me. That's one of my core things is the belief that if I don't do it, nobody else will. I have, you know, if I don't do it, who will? Therefore it's my responsibility. And I feel this, you know, this is it like permeates my family life, my work life, all of it. So that's a big one. That's a really big one. Yeah. So, and I think it's just one of those things. It's like, again, like don't expect perfection. Don't expect it to be a one and done thing. It's just like a, Hey, cool. If you can notice it, give yourself some, again, cut yourself some slack. Even that when you notice something, you're like, Oh man, I'm doing that thing. Like, great. Okay, cool. You noticed it. 
And now maybe you have the opportunity to sort of loosen the reins a little bit, you know, and like step back a little bit and, and it's, it's okay. <laughs> you know, like okay. it's okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. Um, one thing that I would love to touch upon before we close out is, um, you know, it feels a little bit like time is standing still and also moving very fast right now. Yeah. But I think a lot of us, you know, we're, it's, a, it's a definitely an internal time. I mean, we're literally inside, right? And what I was mentioning earlier is that for a lot of anxiety can come up here. A lot of, and I think sometimes anxiety pops up for us because we're feeling things that feel scary and we're like, we shouldn't be feeling that. Like, yeah. you know, like sadness grief, anger, those are bad emotions. So I'm going to opt into anxiety instead because I I already judge myself for having those feelings. So a big thing that we, I think we're all collectively experiencing is this, this, this overwhelming sense of grief and our culture is not really great with honoring that. I mean, we, we literally medicate it in most cases. Yeah. So is there, I mean, can you talk a little bit about feeling, allowing ourselves to feel that grief or whatever emotion might be coming up for you during this time versus avoiding it. I think we're all really good at avoiding it. We have a lot of practices, you know, to numb out. Um, but how can we start to tap into like experiencing what we're actually feeling and honoring that? Yeah, this one, this one is so tricky because, um, in times that are, in times that are fairly benign this is this can be tough and so in times that are that are have some sort of extra pressure on it this can be even more difficult so um i just want to preface that as saying again this is like one of those things that can be tough to practice but just sort of noticing um because we can be really good because we've been trained over long periods of time to shove something down before we've even noticed it you know, like I can have a, and I know, know this just from my own personal experience where I used to basically know I felt bad, I felt good. And that was it. There was no nuance at all. Mm. It was like, I didn't know sadness or grief versus, um, you know, anger or blame or frustration. Like I didn't use those words. It was like, oh, I kind of feel good. I feel good. Or I feel bad, you know, and feeling bad was basically like, I'm feeling something. <laughs> so you might have people who are sort of starting there. Like maybe you're just kind of like, I feel off right like I'm just kind of feeling not quite right you know so maybe it's just sort of go starting there is I'm sort of feeling like off okay so like if you sort of let yourself go there and I think that that's sometimes um like what kind of music does it feel like I should be listening to right now you know like that can sometimes help us to sort of shift a state if you, if you listen to music that's a little bit more energizing or maybe music, you know, when you feel like you just want to listen to a sad song, you know, sometimes that's sort of like a, whew, okay, there's something there that, that needs a little bit of a space to, to be expressed. Um, but feelings are tricky because feelings actually have effects in our bodies. Like they've done studies, for instance, that loneliness and, and, I have to be like careful the way I talk about this, but like loneliness creates the same sort of pain in our body that other pains do so that if you take Tylenol, it actually creates a buffer on the feeling of loneliness because it actually, we do, we feel them. We feel these feelings in our body. So when we talk about things like grief or we talk about things, you know, that are tough, we actually have that visceral experience in our bodies, which makes us sometimes feel like if I feel this thing, it's going to take me over and I'm going to die. Again, that's that sort of 
gut like, oh my gosh, this is, I can't handle this. And this is where it can be helpful to like, if it's really that way for you, like go get some support. Like seriously, the coolest thing about this moment is like, there's a lot of telehealth available, right? Like I see my therapist via my computer every single week. And like, that's amazing. So if there's things that like people that you are having a hard time processing on your own, or you feel like you just can't hold getting like, get some support around it. Like it's totally, we need that right now. Like that's going to be extremely important and know that And I can tell this to people all the time, all the time, all the time. And I can say it now, but I know it's hard to believe if you haven't gone through the feeling of it. But when you allow these feelings to happen, the way they are meant to experience in the body, you're meant to experience it. It will move through you and it'll come out on the other side. When you numb, when you shove it down, it actually keeps that experience with you for a longer and more intense period of time. So you can kind of think about it as like, it's almost like a roller coaster when you have that like, oh my gosh moment. But then it's like you come down on the other side and all of a sudden it's like a different experience. It's like that with emotions too, is they will come up. It'll feel intense. It'll feel kind of scary. And if you just sort of be with yourself in that moment, in that, wow, I'm having this feeling and this is really hard. And you sort of hold that kindness and gentleness towards yourself in that moment, you will pass through it faster. You will pass through it in a more healthy way and you'll feel more normal on the other side of it. So if you want to move through these things faster, that's the practice. And I know it's way easier said than done. So if you feel like, oof, like I kind of need a guide or some support with that, this is a great time to, you know, to be finding those. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Get some help um, if you have trouble moving through those emotions or even just, I, I was the same as you. I'm like, good, bad. I remember the first therapist I had, I was 16 and she's like, how are you feeling? I was like, uh, bad. Like, this, <laughs> I don't have a lot to work with here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, one thing that I will say, well, we mentioned trauma release exercises. I find uh, those, I'm I'm like a very somatic person. Like I, I things get in my body, you know? Same. Okay. So I think that's why my body really resonates well with that. I also like breath work. There's different styles. The one I Mm -hmm. practice is through Aaron Telford, which comes down through David Elliott. I cry more in a breath work session than anywhere else. I have a hard time getting, you know, sometimes getting emotions out of my physical body. That helps it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other, I'm just kind of throwing out ideas for listeners. Totally. So, um, like I said, the music thing is big for me. So I music dancing, shaking. So that's, um, like, but more like conscious shaking the, the like really like active, movement, shaking my arms, shaking my legs, sort of running, running in place, jumping jacks, energetic movement just to like get going, get going, get going, get going, and then sort of taking things down. Um, the uh, So we talked about um, the TRE, but there's also just that sort of body position, which is actually called the um, CRP, the constructive rest position, which is like just lying on your back with your knees bent. Um, is actually like a, a a position that is is helpful for just like starting to let the body sort of come down a bit. And so when the body starts to come down, some things also will come to the surface often. So just like having some of those moments of maybe just lying down in that position and just breathing and seeing what comes up, because sometimes when you give yourself that space, things will whoop, come on up to the surface. Um, yeah, the teary stuff I love. Um, noticing how I am in connection with other people gives me a lot of clues as to if I am 
missing something. If I feel like like with my partner, for instance, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be within that relationship because it's always within me. But if I feel like there's sort of plexiglass in between my connections with people, I'll know that there's something that's not that I'm not quite dealing with. Because when we shove something down, it's like, boop, it's like a block of connection right there. Like we can't really connect if we're not really connected with ourselves first. So that's another like sign where I'm like, okay, I got to move something. I got to do some breathing. I got to do some dancing. I got to do, do some shaking. Um, or I got to do some CRP, you know, something like that just to get in touch with like where I'm at because the brain can take us all in all crazy places. Um, so it's kind of like getting your body and your mind back together. So I'll do a lot of grounding stuff too. Like um, a practice that I think is really helpful to sort of getting back to just a starting state of like, where am I? is literally looking around the room. So this sounds so stupid, but I find this to be one of the most helpful things ever is when you actually just with your eyes and actually turn your head as you're scanning is like you just scan the room you're sitting in. And if you actually look into the corners of the room, like each corner individually, by the time you get to like the third corner, you'll feel that your body is starting to shift because it's like you're showing your body that things are cool, like that things are safe. Because that's the other thing, right, is it's going to be difficult to process emotions if you're still in a survival state. So take things down and then move things out. That's a really, that's a great idea. That sounds like a good um, tactic for like when you're starting to move into a panic attack too. It's like, whoa, 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 the four walls are here. They're around yep. me. I'm safe. Yes. <laughs> so I actually like full disclosure, I had, I basically had one of those in the, the grocery store, like maybe two or three weeks ago where I was like, okay, we are okay. Like I could feel all room spinning, everything. Like I just, whoop, I like could feel it was happening. And I was like, feel your feet on the ground, look around, you know, don't look at the empty shelves. Cause that was one of the things that was sending me, oh, <laughs> sending me into panic, but it was, it was very helpful. And it like allowed me to function in a way that I could like be there, leave and like kind of go, but it, it, it yeah, it's, it's a hundred percent as somebody who's kind of wrote out a panic attack or two during this time period, which is not common for me, by the way, that's not something that I usually deal with. Um, yeah, it's it's super helpful. All right. Well, Audrey, this was great. We I think we um, gave people some tools to work with and also a deeper understanding of like what might be going on, you know, under the hood with all yeah. of this. Yeah. So why don't you tell people where they can find more of you and your work? So uh, my my company is called Fortitude and Flow. So you can head over to my website at fortitudeandflow.com. I love doing videos. I love doing lives and I hang on out on Instagram a lot. So you can head over there and hang out with me at Fortitude and Flow as well. Um, same on Facebook. And um, yeah, those are the ways to, to find me. And I love, I, I love like I love when people come into my inbox I know not everybody loves that but I I like being able to to interact with people so slide into my dms or even email at audrey at fortitudeandflow.com I love I love the convos so bring them on we are exact opposites (laughs) (laughs) it's like never dm me under any circumstance (laughs) right but that's the explicit conversation right there it's like I'm like cool you're like nope and then that's clear That's exactly right. All right. Awesome. Um, Well, thank you so much. I hope you um, continue to fare well during this time. Same. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, fill out the contact form at erinholthealth.com. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review in iTunes. Take care of you.